Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, October 18th, 2012. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere. This week, we get on about red flags, cranky moodlies, viral tweets, man, phone gap, and REST APIs, and interactive SMS bots, and all that usual stuff. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Good afternoon. Hello. How's it going? Oh, not bad. Kind of a late start to the day. Yeah, me too. I could not get woke up this morning. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't know why. I went to bed relatively early for me, like 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm. I didn't get up until 9.30, but I just I just could not wake up. Wow. Now I had my usual late night, extra late actually, and... uh Woke up at like eight, went to bed at five, woke up at eight, got some stuff squared away, went back to bed at nine till 11. Yeah. <laughs> Monster Vac was in, on the full offensive at my door. I'm glad I'm not the only person I know who regularly wakes up at 11. <laughs> yeah, I get a lot done late night because there's no interruptions. So, you know. It's but it takes a toll after a while. I gotta get out. I'm I'm like, I'm like, when you just said you slept from one till nine, I got jealous. I was like, oh my god, it's like eight hours of sleep. I know that's the longest I've slept in forever. <laughs> sounds awesome. Well, you had an exciting week weekend anyway. I had a very busy weekend. Yeah, finally had the uh, the Rails Rumble competition. And uh, waiting for judging, right? It's going to be this, well, probably the day the podcast comes out. It'll be this Friday, I guess. I think they plan to announce winners on Friday. And I think I think the judging actually ends today. I think today's the last day. Mm. should tweet about that. I, I went on the site, and it sort of seemed like there were calls to action that would allow the general public to judge, but I didn't see how to do it, or to vote, rather. Yeah, I think there is, but I think you may have to... To um to sign up or or log in with like OAuth some like some form of OAuth account or something. Hmm. Hmm. I couldn't find a way to do it, but maybe uh, I was on my phone or something, so it might have been not working on the phone. But uh, we'll have to tweet about it today because this won't be out in time to yeah <laughs> to push anybody to it if the voting is ending today. Well, that's exciting. So, <clears throat> before we jump into that, do we have any um, any uh, bug report stuff? Um, I don't think I have anything. Yeah, I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. The only thing that 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 uh, that I had that was really interesting in the last couple of days is kind of a rant about crazy clients. <laughs> it's not a bug report at all, but I got a an email from, you know, frantic frantic voicemail actually. Somebody called me and said, Oh, we've got this we've got two weeks to convert our homepage from Flash to CSS three animations, you know, and, and Good luck. Yeah, and I took a look at it and and then I was like, Okay, I've got a couple of questions. Let's have a phone call with the the uh you know, the lead web guy. Yeah. I was gonna ask stuff like, you know, it's fixed with site, not responsive design at all. So I was like, are you really just going to re- replace that with CSS3 animations and not scale, you know, not not really make any other accommodation for phones or anything? Or like, what's the plan? So and I was going to ask, like, are you going to include jQuery and all that stuff? So you get on the phone with them and they're like, well, we don't see the point of just recreating what's already there. So we're going to redesign the whole thing. Uh, since since you're going to be redoing it anyway, and uh, and it shouldn't be too hard because all the browsers these days are pretty pretty solid. So you know, and then oh like, yeah, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and still still two weeks. And now we're already like two days into the two weeks because you know we had to schedule a phone call. Right. And. Well- uh, 
my my thoughts on that are if they want it done in two weeks, then you should be able to make enough off of that to not have to work the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's a lot of images and a lot of animation. It's not super complicated, but whatever. I was like... And the thing that scared me... Oh, this is what I wanted to bring up. The thing that scared me, which you'll find funny, is that uh, the uh, the lead web guy was like, oh, well... I found this, you know, I, we can just use modernizer to use, you know, to get support for older browsers. And I found this tool that, uh, you know, should make it really easy. And, and I was like, I actually said to him, I was like, why don't if, I mean, why don't you just do it then? You've yeah. got, got it all figured out. Like why, yeah. why pay me to do it? Oh, well, you know, we don't have the expertise there. And I, I didn't say it, but I wanted to say so bad. Then you have no idea how hard it's going to be, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they clearly have no clue. Yeah, so I was like, you know. I thought when I got the original phone call, I looked at the Flash animation. I was like, oh, you know, this would be, you know, I'm supposed to be doing a million things. This would be, uh, I don't know, it would be a, a good exercise. It wouldn't take, I was figured, man, it would probably take a couple of hours. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe it would take four hours, but you know, it's, it's, it's just like a, it's, too, it's a mess. It's one of the, you can just see the unrealistic expectations. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah. I've, I've worked with people like that in the past and it, it does not go well. Mm. They, um, I don't know. Like I can't, I can't handle it. It's, it's too much stress for me <laughs> these days. Yeah. I just, I just know that there would be yelling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think I can. They sent me some stuff, and I was like, uh, you know, I, I guess it would work. But, you know, I listed out, like, what, what browsers do we need to support? Ah, uh, you know, the modern ones. Just the modern ones. Don't worry about the other ones. I'm like, well, we still have to still have to fail over. You know, we still have to, yeah. like, have a baseline experience for the other ones too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so that means I have to test them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but that should be easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do it. Yeah. So... Man, I'll tell you, you make a list of uh, of OS and browser combinations, and it's like it's like twenty or thirty items long. Just just off the top of my head, it was like OS, like four or five browsers on OS X, five or six browsers on Windows, uh, a couple browsers on the iPhone, a couple browsers on the uh, Android, a couple browsers on tablets. You know, iPad, Fire. It's like it adds up to like thirty it or does. forty combinations in two seconds. Yeah. It adds up quick. Right, and I didn't get the sense that these would be the, the type of people to be like, this thing totally broken on Kindle Fire. The first version Kindle Fire, this doesn't work at all. Like, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I don't get the sense there's going to be a lot of flexibility there. So I'm, yeah. so this like, is a well, preemptive. Yeah. Two weeks. <laughs> yeah, two weeks. It's a preemptive bug report. There, there would have been a lot of bugs coming from, from this. So I think it's best to squash this one by not taking it. It's a it's a preemptive, you know. This is why John was committed to a mental institution report. <laughs> yeah, my my moodly would be very very cranky for very, a very cranky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's the big news this week is uh, is the Rails Rumble. So you want to kind of give a background on what that is, and then explain what you did and how it went. Yeah. Yeah. I had some interesting things happen. Uh, Rails Rumble, what it is, it's a it's a 48-hour programming competition. Um, you get together teams of between one and four people, and I, I did solo this year. And basically you have 48 hours to build an app, and the work you can do beforehand is, is very limited. Like you can use, use any kind of open source libraries you want to, or in, you, know, you can do uh, wireframes and sketches and that kind of thing, but you can't create any actual proprietary assets for your project before the competition. Right. So yeah, that was that was my project over the weekend and it included very little sleep and way too much caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> and the app I built originally it's it's kind of a funny story because originally I was going to do like a, an app for creating and sharing mood boards, like like designer you know, might use to establish a, a visual style for something, you know, you know, the design type mood boards. 
Yeah, which is and a cool it, idea. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And I had several APIs I was going to tie into there. And it just, it was a, a series of unfortunate events as far as APIs changing, not having time to plan, and and just really not, because, you know, just because I had so many other things going on, just really not being in the mood to do mood boards. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to pick something else, and I went into went in, logged into my, my Rails Rumble account to change my my URL that I had set up and everything, and I couldn't. So I, w- I was stuck with the name Moodly. I was like, well, what can I do with that? <laughs> and and then I remembered, remembered an idea that a friend of mine had had about a little, little app for you know, like tracking your mood. And I thought, well, you know, part of the reason I'm not doing the mood board is because I haven't, you know, I've been in a bad mood and haven't planned with this plan this out so maybe if i build an app to track these things i can figure out why i randomly get these bad moods <laughs> yeah so so that was what i came up with yep it's very and cool we'll cool idea include links to it in the show notes and what have you yeah so i mean and you bashed it out because by sunday i was playing with it and, yeah uh it was i mean since we're uh, maybe since I'm an outsider, it'd be easier for me to just like just sort of give a mental picture, sure, to our dear listener. But it's basically it's kind of like um, I don't know. It's kind of like Twitter with emoticons instead of status updates. It's like the the concept is to 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 get in and get out of the app unbelievably fast, like very impulse, like just have an impulse and just do it. And right. your updates, you you basically go in and there's a slider with a smiley face on it which is wicked funny and uh you slide it back and forth and it's like like most cranky on the left hand side and and most happy on the right hand side and so you kind of slide it to set a percentage of happiness and uh then you can pick a like a modifier like uh pissed or frustrated or loved or whatever and then you can optionally add like a like a short um explanation is there yeah. is there a length limit on that I think it's limited to 80 characters. Yeah, so it's just a short little thing and and to maybe kind of explain why. So you can bang these things out really, really fast. Um, and and it keeps track of them, obviously. And it says on your profile, it says what you're, you know, Jonathan is currently pissed or whatever. And uh, and But what's really cool about it is that there's graphs of, like, your your mood over time which I think has got some really, obviously it's a, it was a, a, a weekend project, but it's got some really cool implications for yeah, long-term that, tracking. That's definitely a feature that I want to expand upon more and, and kind of flesh it out more because right now the, the graphs and tracking is very, it's very basic, but it'll do things like it'll show you, it'll, it tracks by week and by month, and then you can also go in and select a date range. And what it, what it does is it will track um, like, for weekly and monthly, you get your percentage of change from the previous week or the previous month, you know, up or down, mm-hmm. and you'll get get like a, a graph showing your average mood by day, and you also get like a little smiley face representation using the emote icons of of your moods, of your average mood by day, and it also breaks it down to average mood by hour of day, and then it will also tell you, like, it'll like rank your like your adjectives that you use to describe your mood by frequency. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. It's like, uh, and you kind of, th- I mean, I mean, you could say, well, oh, well, I could just do it on Twitter or whatever. I could just, you know, but it, it's really, I don't know. It's purpose built for it. And when I'm, when and now, <laughs> since, since Sunday, you know, who knows if this, if this would continue to be my impulse. But now every time I have a, uh, like not an extreme mood, but, but now I'm kind of self conscious about how I'm feeling. Yeah. So when I'm, when something, usually it happens when I'm at one end or the other where I'm like, like something, something annoying, like I'll get annoyed with a customer service person. I'm like, oh, it's like I gotta get him, you know, just <laughs> update this. Or like last night, Cooper just went to bed without having a meltdown. It was like the awesome, most awesome thing ever. And so it's cool because it kind of calls your attention to your moods. They're not just, I don't know. It, it brings them up higher on a conscious level, which I think is yeah. a good thing. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I feel like I've had a lot of a lot of instances lately where I've 
you know, I, I haven't really been kind of in touch with that. And it's been, I've been in, in bad moods a lot lately. And it's something to, e- even if all it does is just make you aware of you know, the things you're, the, you know, the moods you're in, I feel like there's a, there's a benefit to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't think we even mentioned yet that you can follow people and, um, and keep track of like how your friends are doing without bugging them. And it's, you know, you, you could do it on Facebook too, but this is like, I think because it calls a di- attention to your mood, then it's kind of like, you know, it makes you more likely to, like, I never put anything on Facebook when I'm in a bad mood. I would never no. do that. You know, like people do. And I'll, I'll like bitch about stuff on Twitter, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. It's complaining about a thing. It's not just saying I'm having a really bad day. Yeah, exactly. I never do that on Facebook and I never do it on Twitter, but I would do it here because that's what it's for. You know, so yeah. it's, it's not like you're you're being a crab. You're actually, you know. Using the app for its intended purpose. Right. And so if someone's following you there, that's what they're into. So it's uh, it's really interesting because you know, like it's like the difference between Facebook and Twitter and even Google Plus and and App.net because I'm using all of those more now. Um, I was mostly just Twitter, but now I'm using all of them a little bit more for some reason, and uh, and I use them all for very different things, and none of them are really appropriate for what this does. So this would definitely be my my go to app for that. So that's really cool. My now the. You know, it's from all looks, I, you know, I haven't seen the code or anything, but from all appearances, you built it, um, you know, just kind of following the principles that we're always advocating here, where you built an API and, uh, you know, what it's responsive design and all of that yes. stuff. Yes, yes, it, it's responsive design and it works pretty good on the phone. Um, there's some minor issues at like the, the smallest resolution when you get down below 480 but you know if you put a phone in landscape it'll work fine Mm -hmm. and i'll probably go in and clean those up it was just a matter of of not having time since i was i was limited to the weekend and um yeah it it does have a does have a rest api and it also has some sms integration you can you can add your phone number and then you can text text emoticons to your app to, to to moodly to update your mood yeah that's awesome in fact that's probably what i would always do yeah, I find myself doing that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can when you text, you know, you can text it and text either either a number or an emoticon. With the emoticons are just shortcuts for like zero, twenty five, fifty, seventy five, hundred. As far as the on the scale of one to one hundred <laughs> scale of of horrible to awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and and then you just stick in a stick the adjective in there, and you know if you want add a note if not, or you know add the optional note. But yeah, I find myself using the SMS a lot more than I actually go to the site. Yeah, it's like there's you don't have to wait for anything to launch. It's just like to just send a. I mean, if, at the bare minimum, you just send like a two character emoticon, and that's it. Right. Update the site. It's so cool. So I noticed I was very impressed when I first launched it, and I saw the slider, and I was like, ah, this isn't gonna work with touch events, but it totally does. Yeah. Um, how did you how did you do that? Um, actually, the slider library that I was using uh, pretty much had that built in. I just had to add some extra little little bindings there to make sure I was binding to the touch events. Mm-hmm. And what was that called? Uh, the the I don't know if there's an actual name for it other than just Smiley Slider. It's an it's an open source little thing I found on GitHub. Cool. A while ago. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it totally works. Yeah, it doesn't work in IE less than IE9 because it uses Canvas to draw the face. Oh, I was wondering how it worked. Yeah, it's cool. creates a little creates a little Canvas object to draw the face. That is cool. And then I had to I repurposed part of that to draw the the static emoticons on the site too. Mm-hmm. Going in there now. So so here's the so here's the frustrating thing that other developers will be able to uh, uh, identify with which is that when they when the competition ended uh, you're not allowed to you're not allowed to do anything to it right so so Kelly was like finding little things she wanted to tweak but she can't yeah I can't "Ah." touch it after the judging 
I found like a, a a persistent typo in the API documentation, which actually clued me into a bug in Happy Docs that I now need to fix because that's what I used to generate it. Mm. <laughs> and um, there's also, a bug report. Yeah, there we go. It's a bug report. <laughs> and and also, um, I forgot when you're saving your phone number in your profile so that you can send SMS updates. I forgot to have it strip out non-numeric characters, which oh, I was, that's I was going why. to do because it just makes it a lot easier to parse. Yeah, I because it's funny because the SMS wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. I think you might have reset the database or something at yeah, some I point. I actually went in and edited your database record because we you know, we can go into like the SQL console and, and change data. That's fine, but oh, okay, just no no editing code. Gotcha. So went in and changed that for you so you could use it that way. Not that you couldn't have edited it yourself on the site, but right. Yeah, I put dashes in. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it looks. I mean, even. Even in portrait mode on the phone, I'm looking at it now. It's like like the profile looks good. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the pop up that comes up to enter your mood. It's kind of cut off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, but yeah you're right. In landscape mode, it works fine. And besides, I would use SMS anyway. Yeah. But it's really cool that the like you can put your finger so like it's like a big, it's like a slider, horizontal slider with a big thumb, and the thumb has a face on it, and you can touch it, and you can even slide your finger down um, out of the way so that you can see the smiley face as it's going back and forth. Like, if I actually, in fact, if I was going to, if I was going to uh, um, make a suggestion, it would be that the smiley, like, pops out from under your finger or something, so you can see, I guess it doesn't matter, I mean, you know what you're doing, but it's, the thing is, it's fun to watch the face. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was it was funny because a bunch of us were hanging out on the Reels Rumble IRC channel, and I was showing it to one of the guys, and and he said, you know, I was gonna I was going gonna go in and update my mood about how stressed out I was, but sliding the little smiley face around made me happy, and now I'm less stressed. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's like f- even if, even if I'm in a bad mood, just being able to make that little guy look angry. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, right? Yeah. It's like someone else. So that'd be another fun thing if you could customize your face. Oh, yeah. Or if it turned, yeah. turned red at the bottom end or something. Yeah, I thought about having it change color based on mood, but I just I didn't have time to fool with it. Right, yeah. I mean, there's just, it's just so many fun uh, possibilities. Yeah. I also, another big thing that I really want to add that I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't get to, but it was pretty, would have been a pretty complex undertaking, is I wanted to be able to add like custom alerts. That you could set up so, like, you could go in and say, you know, send me a text message if John is sad for a week. Yeah. Or yeah, if or, he hasn't updated in a couple of days right. or something. Right. Or if his mood stays below, you know, 50 for so many days, let me know, kind of thing. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really interesting. And it's like, it's like I said at the beginning, I was like, well, you could, you know, when you were telling me about it, I'm like, that's really cool. And I wonder if, and I'm thinking, what if, I wonder if people would adopt it or if they just like think, oh, there's another thing I have to update. But it's really, it's different. It's, 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 since it's specifically for this, it feels okay to, you know, yeah, let it all hang out kind of. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's an idea that's either going to click with you and you're going to say, oh, that's cool and you're going to use it or you're going to go, that's completely worthless. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of middle ground. Right, right. But I, I did have a couple of interesting things from a technical perspective when I was building it. Oh, oh yeah, like, do tell. Yes, for instance, um, the API. Uh, you know, I, knew, I knew that I wanted to have an API for this. And... Because one of the one of the things I really wanted to focus on when I kind of pared down my idea to something simpler was, you know, I wanted to focus on the whole niche concept of building apps that run everywhere. Right. And so, so I really wanted an API. And we've talked in the past before. Like, if you're, you know, if you're doing a web app, do you do you build your API and then build your web app on top of it, or do you build your web app and then build your API? And and the idea we've the approach we've been taking is to to start with building the API and then the web app is just a client that uses that. But for, for larger applications, I think we've, we both agreed that that can get a little bit cumbersome because you, you kind of end up doing more work for that initial first client. Mm. You in, you know, because you end up, 
you create your API and then your web app, rather than just doing all the things that you've written in your API to do, you also have to go in and you have to have to make requests to the API and get responses back and parse those and you know, there's there's just there's a little bit more to do there. Yeah, when it's when it's not when you don't tightly integrate the web app with the API, like if you if your web app files like your uh, I guess well I guess where would it be in the models right? The models yeah. would be if the models are talking directly to the database and not to an API, then you're kind of like tightly coupling it, but it does make it easier for that first client. Right, right, and so. I mean, you know, it, again, to if you're, if you're, you know, if your if your web app is is your primary client, and then you just want people to be able to build other things on on top of it, it doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of performance to have your web app use that API 100% because, you know, again, it's just it's an extra round trip that has to be made to the API there. Yeah, I mean, oops. Yeah, I mean. I could go either way on it. It's mm -hmm. like, it's nice to, I'm kind of of the opinion that, well, every app's different. It's, it's different. Everything's a different situation. I like the idea of, um, sending everything through the API just to have a single point of control. Uh -huh. But you know, it's kind of like with database, uh, database organization or database schema. Um, why am I not being, why can I not think of this database? Uh, <laughs> architecture if you almost always you have to denormalize somewhere yeah for performance reasons and that's kind of like a similar thing here it's like i would prefer to see a, an api that was able to do everything if not more than any individual client and then have all the clients talk to that but sometimes you you know for whatever reason you need to it's not really denormalizing but um, make exceptions to do certain things but you know it's like a it's a goal, I think. Right. So what I ended up doing on this one is I, I didn't start with the API first. I didn't, well, actually I didn't, I didn't build a dedicated API. It's, um, the, the API and the web app, they're both using, both using the exact same code. And then I just, you know, based on, based on application headers, you know, ex based on the accept header, I'm either sending, sending a JSON response back or I'm rendering the HTML page. Oh, interesting. So, hmm. yeah, and, and actually, I got the idea. <laughs> I know I was kind of, kind of, kind of bashing them a couple of weeks ago uh, in terms of the Freshdesk API, because you know they had are doing essentially the same thing. You just you stick a a, a JSON file extension on the end of the URL, and you get your response back as, as JSON data. Mm -hmm. And you know there was there was something about that that just didn't sit right with me. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, I, I got to thinking about it, and there were a couple of there were a couple of things about it that bothered me. And the first was just if you're if you're using if you're accessing it in that manner as an API all the time, then programmatically it's just one more thing you have to do is you have to append that file extension to the end of every URL. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, really, that's that's not difficult to do. It it just it doesn't doesn't feel as clean to me. Yeah, but, I mean, lots of lots of APIs do follow. Like the Twitter API does that. Like if you want XML or JSON, or at least it used to. I haven't looked at the Twitter API in a while. Yeah, well, the, the but the thing about it that really bugged me is, and it, it took me a while to figure it out. But the thing about that that really bothered me was that as soon as you put a file extension on your URL, in my head at least, it kind of breaks the idea of the URL as a rep representation of the modeling between data. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like for instance I go to, you know, to people slash Kelly dot Jason and it feels like I get my profile back as JSON data, but it feels like okay, that's the end of the line. Mm. If it's just people slash Kelly, then okay, I can put people Kelly moods or people Kelly updates, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean it it really feels like it should be an accept header. Yeah, so that's what I did. I just I moved it into the accept header. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. You send it with an accept header of JSON, you get JSON data back. And so, I mean, you st I still ended up with a full, a fully functional API, and you know, I didn't have to do any kind of code duplication or uh, complex URL parsing for my web app or anything like that. So it turned out, you know, it was a it was a really good. I think it turned out really well. So, 
So you're just branching inside of the inside of the well, whatever the API slash app to yeah. you're saying, oh, if it's HTML, then send back this like populated template or something, and if not, yeah. just do the raw data. Yeah, if it's HTML, render the page. If it's not, just just raw data as JSON. Yeah, I don't think I that's that seems fine to me. I guess the problem would be if you were going to if you were going to have like uh, let's say you made a, a phone gap app or like a native client or something and you wanted to use pieces of that HTML, then it would get weird because I'm assuming you're sending back the whole everything, the whole full page, right? Like HTML tag to HTML close tag. Right. Yeah, so if, it, it would get weird if you were going to try and send snippets back for different clients and and <clears throat> and put that, you know, because it's like we talked about way back when. It's like the the separation between the client and the API is in a different place than I originally thought. You know, when you start making multiple clients and they're all really different, then you're like, wow, the separation. There's a lot more stuff on the client side. That yeah, I would have put in the API. So I feel like that's kind of what you you know you're putting stuff that's client specific in the in the uh, on the server side, which saves a ton of time, like you said, from a development standpoint, and also um, is uh, is going to be quicker performance wise because you don't have that extra request and you don't have to parse anything on the client. So and you know I think it's just a, a natural compromise. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like a, it seemed like a good balance. You know, I wanted wanted an API, you know, had 48 hours, didn't want to build both. <laughs> right. Yeah, under a time constraint, that's an obvious win. Yeah, and and after I did it, I was like, hmm, you know, I really like this. Yeah. I, I wonder if you'd feel that way if you built another HTML client, though. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I should try it. <laughs> yeah, because cause if you think about it, like, let's say yeah. you did, um, let's say you did a dedicated mobile version. Yeah. Because it was just you wanted a different URL structure, or or you know maybe you have in a desktop site you had like more of a a uh, a paneled application, you know where you've got like a panel on the left hand side, a big content area in the middle, a panel on the right hand side, and you needed yep. to use like you know like internal links to navigate around in there, and you really have like two different apps. Then, yeah. And then it'd be like, well, now I got to send another header to indicate whether this is the desktop or the mobile version and then I'm branching more in my code and then you've got all these like all the all the templating for both in the in the API I don't know what's the code look like like it, how do you you know do you have is it is it sort of have your views separated out your HTML views separated out and you're just like like passing uh, yeah, I just, I just, I after I do all of my processing on the data at the end when it comes time to return um, return the response to the to the client. I just have a little conditional statement that says, you know, if is API, then spit out the data in JSON format. If it's not API, then render this template. That's pretty clean. So yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, so. as opposed to like, as opposed to like just getting the JSON and JavaScripting the DOM together on the client side. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't personally, I don't personally have a big preference about where the, um, like where the client ends. I guess, mm -hmm. like, on part of me is kind of like, well, it would be great to just write kind of like a single page application. You have this static, static HTML file. It's got a bunch of JavaScript, talks to an API, gets the information it needs, and it constructs whatever it needs client side. And the you know, as far as the server is concerned, it's just returning JSON all the time. Yeah, originally that was how I was going to do it, but I didn't know if I would time, have time to do such a JavaScript-heavy application in the weekend. So. Right, right. Yeah, totally. It's it's a lot easier to program fast and debug on the server side. And but so the thing is, like, that's kind of an arbitrary distinction to say that you know your application because that's kind of like that's kind of like saying you know the entire client must always live only on the client, and you just talk to the server for data. And that's, you know, like why the whole thing is like a continuous system. You could have like the other way to do it, to, you know, imagine doing it is saying, okay, I'm going to build an application on the server side, but it just returns static HTML all the time. And that's the, that's the target. The other extreme. Yeah. Yeah. But, but on the server that, 
that mobile application, that mobile web application, talks to the API. It's like two separate things. You know, right. on the and it could be a local connection. It could be on the same machine. It would be really fast. Right. There wouldn't be like any latency or anything. So, you know, that's a another place to put the separation. But as long, I think, you know, I don't. It's like I said. It's I think it's uh, having the API the way set up the way that you set it up. I think is good for you know a, a, you know cranking something out super fast, and you also maintain like a full API and, you know, full, there's full separation there. Yeah. Yeah. There's complete separation. So, I mean, uh, you know, I think it's important to have the separation and I think it's important to have the raw data. Right. Available. Right. Cause you still have dumb templates that are getting populated with data from the API. You're just doing it closer to the metal, so to speak. Right. Right. I'm just, I'm just populating the templates on the server level rather than, storing them in the browser and, and populating with the, the data coming back. Yeah, exactly. But, but all that data is still there if you want to access it as as the raw JSON data. Just send the accept header and, and that's that. Mm. Super cool. Well, I could not believe when I saw it on Sunday that uh, you'd only been working on it for two days. It was <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with with how it came together and how it turned out. You know, like I said, there's a few more things I wish I'd had time to add, but you know, they can always be done later. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> everything that everything that occurred to me was like just like a subtle, subtle tweak. You know. Um, yeah, I have the, to, other other than alerts and some some more detailed reporting, everything everything else is pretty minor. Mm-hmm. So, are you gonna? Do you know where you're gonna host it yet? Do you have like? Like mood.oi or uh, I have moodly.cc. Oh, cool. And I'm <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent certain yet that the site's going to stay up. I'm fairly sure it will, but I'm not a hundred percent certain. Because, like I said, the original idea wasn't entirely my own. So uh. I'm I'm checking with my friend first to make sure he minds. <laughs> And I really wanted to check with him beforehand, but I like I couldn't get a hold of him. So mm. I'm like, 48 hour thing. I'm just gonna do it. If he doesn't want me to keep it up, I'll just take it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna fork fork the repository over to um. Well, I guess I don't need to fork it. I can set it up uh, on my GitHub account, and I'll I'll get you access to it so you can take a look at the code. Oh, cool. And and actually, I didn't build it in Rails because it's it's called Rails Rumble, but the stipulation is that you can use any sort of any rack based framework. So I actually I built it with Sinatra. Wow. And what'd you do? The how'd you do the templates? Uh, they're just just um, ERB files. Mm. Cool. Well, go you. <laughs> Yeah, I I thought about thought about using um, Padrino, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, which is a a little MVC framework that sits on top of Sinatra, and it looks really interesting. And I've been wanting to use it for a while, but again, it's just one of those things I didn't have time to. Yeah, I don't want my first experience with it to be when I'm limited to 48 hours to produce something. Yeah, yeah, that'd so. be crazy. But I may I may use it for like a like a happy dogs rewrite or something because I've been thinking about happy dogs lately and and some changes that I want to make there. Oh, cool. Well, that would be cool. So good luck. I'm sure the listener wishes you good luck as well, and we'll find out Friday, I guess. Yeah. How you did? Yeah. I I honestly don't expect to win anything. I'll be surprised if I do. But I was you know just like the fun of competing, mm-hmm. which is funny because. Saturday night, I was I was so sleep deprived that I was just like I had I had the basic functionality of the app done Saturday night, and I had my test account there, and like everything I was posting was just angry, pissed, sad, depressed. <laughs> it was all zeros all the way across. Just, just I was yeah, a few hours of sleep took care of that though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll happen. There's nothing worse than like you know. Get like exhausted, overtired, and then you've got some bug that you cannot squash. Yeah, it's the worst. Unbelievable. So excellent. What else do we have going on? Um, I don't. 
don't know. I've got a lot of little things I'm doing for other people, but yeah, I am. Uh, oh, I've got a little. This might be interesting for people to hear. I um, I'm working on building out the screens for a project. We haven't talked about it in a while, but uh, we did uh, like a massive design phase for this project. That's an iPad application. It's going to have like we had like over a hundred screens and. It was back we, when we when we were working on it. We talked about the wireframing tools a lot. Yeah, I've been meaning to ask. You, I've been meaning to ask you how that was going. Mm, yeah, so <clears throat> had a ton of pretty much hit a brick wall with um, the phone gap approach for one of the primary screens because uh, it was like fairly heavy camera integration and phone gap um, through the JavaScript bridge doesn't really offer a uh, the frame rates that you need to to do what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. So, like, so <clears throat> if you're not familiar with PhoneGap, I, probably everybody's heard of it by now. But PhoneGap is uh, a series of native wrappers for all different mobile devices, mobile operating systems, and you can use it to compile like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript that would normally you'd run in a browser. You can uh, package it in this native PhoneGap code and then deploy it to app stores for like, you know, iTunes and uh, whatever Android market's called now and uh, Google Play and Kindle, you know, all the all the native stores. Yeah. Windows Phone Store, BlackBerry World. So it's like a packaging technology that takes a web app and, and it, it doesn't rewrite the code or anything. It just is just a thin wrapper. It's like a single um, single site browser type of concept. So the idea was to um, use PhoneGap because, you know, for this application because it's really it's really not that complicated of an app overall. It's just a lot of screens. So HTML is like an easy, good way to go for, the you know, all these screens. And there's a lot of um, – it would be great to be able to style – since there's so many screens, it would be great to be able to style them globally with CSS and all of these things that would be really, really nice and not, not build the thing with native code. And so the other thing that PhoneGap allows you to do is um, is get access to some of the device APIs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things that are in common across all these platforms, like the camera is a big one, um, the vibration control and the speakers and microphone and all that stuff. And PhoneGap allows you to do that. So you just you write some JavaScript calls and the PhoneGap wrapper uh, recognizes, you know, it basically crosses over, uh, it takes the JavaScript call and it sends it to the native side of the fence and executes over there and returns, excuse me, returns the results. And you can access the camera, which I knew. Uh, and, um, so I was like, oh, we'll just use PhoneGap and I can, you know, we can record the videos using the regular camera on the iPad. And there were a couple of limitations that were deal breakers, which were, uh, for example, when, um, you know, the, the iPhone, pad has front and back facing cameras and you may want to use one or the other but you're probably going to use in a given session you're probably going to use the same one quite a bit and PhoneGap doesn't let you uh, specify which camera to use when it opens the camera so you click record to record the video and every single time the camera pops up it uses the back facing camera so if you're trying to record yourself then you're constantly you have to constantly flip Every single time you record, you have to flip the camera around to face you, which is not... That's that's kind of annoying. It's, it's really not, annoying, yeah. yeah. The other thing is that um, it pulls up the full camera application. So if you, if you click on the record button, the screen, you know, is the whole camera takes up the entire screen. It covers up the application that's running and, you know, you, you get the regular camera application. Yeah, which is good in the sense that you don't have to write, uh, you know, uh, an interface for the camera. You don't get just the the sort of, you know, lens part of the camera, if you will. You get all the buttons and everything, which is nice if you want to if you're just doing something quick and dirty. But the the workflow and you're familiar with the workflow. We had all the, mm-hmm. we we'd had all designed all the buttons: the stop, uh, the start, stop, delete, um, next. All of these we had the controls all designed. Right. Yeah. So we didn't. So when the camera, so the the with PhoneGap, the new workflow would be press start. The camera comes up, covers the entire app. Probably flip the camera around to face you. Press record, even though you just pressed start record. 
then it records, then you have to press stop, and then you have to accept or cancel the video. Yeah. And it's just a really clunky, it was really, really way too clunky. Yeah, and I always I always find things that that launch the camera in full screen, I always find it slightly confusing to, you know, how do I back out of that when I'm done? Right, yeah. It wasn't good, so so... I investigated doing the whole app natively, which mm-hmm. is sort of tempting, but I I know it's going to take longer to do that, and it'll be really painful. So I, I'm going to do... So what we're going to do is um, do that screen either with a PhoneGap plugin or uh, just natively, and then the rest of the application is going to be, um, you know, still HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So, right. So the... Uh, I want since it's so many screens. I was like, well, I you know, I could do this from scratch, but it's a lot of screens and there's a lot of duplication. It's a lot of basic buttons and lists and stuff. So let me look at Sencha Touch since I know we're going to be on iPads only. Uh, and I downloaded Sencha Architect, which is their um, WYSIWYG IDE. Yeah. For Sencha Touch. And it's it's hilarious because it's almost exactly like the tool we used to do the, the uh, prototype. Remember when we did proto, that proto mm-hmm. IO dot prototype or mm-hmm. proto dot IO prototype uh, for another client. It's almost exactly like that. Yeah, it is. It's very similar. Yeah. I, I took a look at it. Cool. Cool. Have you played with it much or just, just uh, no, for some reason my 30 day trial expired after two days. <laughs> uh, that'll, That'll put a wrench in the monkey works. Yeah. <laughs> a wrench in the monkey works. <laughs> um, and we have a title. Yes. The, uh, so, yeah, it's 300 bucks for Sencha Architect, which is nothing to sneeze at, but I, I think it's going to be worth it in, in my case, and then, you know, and then I have it. But it, you can crank out screens pretty quick, um, quicker than I would be able to by writing Sencha Touch code by hand because I'm, no, I'm not an expert at XJS or Sencha Touch. I've done some yeah. demo stuff, but it, it's really not my style of uh, development. It's pure, you create the interface with pure JavaScript, which I do not love. Yeah. Um, I prefer a, a markup style like MXML for the uh, for the actual interface because the interface is a hierarchy after all. And uh, it is, to me, a lot easier to figure out when you can see the hierarchy represented in the template and not not be constructing it out of JavaScript. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It, it, to me, it adds, you know, Sencha does, they do really good stuff, and, you know, it works really well, but, you know, it's just, it's just not, I don't like that particular flavor. It seems to be a little overly complex. Yeah, it makes it hard to do easy things, but it makes it yeah. possible to do really hard things. Right, right. So it's... uh it's really, you know, it's. I think it's perfect for this case because the the other limitation of Sencha Touch is they make no bones about the fact that they only support WebKit browsers, mm-hmm. which you know, like right away that means you could not do your website using it. So you know, if you were going to make like a fancy app like website, you you really you would only have you'd have to build another one for people who came to your site in Firefox or whatever. So. Um, I'll be, I'll be, you know, I've been working with, with architect. It's, you know, it's a lot of filling out forms and stuff like that. You know, you click on an object and fill out the form, but it's at the end of the day, uh, I think a lot faster and the, um, the code that it generates is you could just totally edit it in a text editor. If you get to a point where you're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm just going to dupe a bunch of files or whatever. Um, I probably wouldn't want to do that, but you get the idea. You can, yeah, I, yeah, I do remember you saying that it produced really clean code. Yeah, it's amazing, and you can and you can uh, go. You know, you could close Architect and just edit the files directly if you felt like it. So that's to me, that's the big. Like that was I haven't touched Dreamweaver in years, but that was the thing that I hated about Dreamweaver, and I've never, never really looked at it again because like, you had to like leave the the code was almost like if you edit it directly, you were not going to be able to continue using it in Dreamweaver, and it was like oh, yeah, that's kind of lame. So I you know. In the Dreamweaver code, and this is going way back, like ten or fifteen years ago. I haven't, looked at Dream, <laughs> yeah. I haven't looked at Dreamweaver in a long time. I haven't looked at it since I think CS three. Mm, yeah. 
and it had it had improved a lot, but it's still it's not. No, I just I just don't like it. Yeah, I mean all those inline hover states for for buttons and stuff. It was like, oh my god, you know. So anyway, that it, it's it's uh, I'll have. I guess what I'm saying is I'll have more to report uh, probably next week. But I'm uh, you know working on a bunch of screens. I want to get some stuff out to him tonight. As a matter of fact. So I've been very happy with that so far. I like Sencha Touch cool. a lot better when there's an interface in front of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you can... Uh, and an interface builder in front of it. <laughs> right, right. That's what I mean, yeah. So, and I'm not usually I'm not usually a WYSIWYG guy, but there's just so much stuff to do here. That, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I can go behind the curtain, so to speak, if I want to. So that's... I think that's a perfect combination. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm really interested in seeing how that comes out. Yeah, I, I spent forever nice. on the I spent forever on the wireframes and I and I another forever on the API. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna look good. It's, it's nice. So what else is going on? Oh, this week, so I'm getting ready for a um getting ready for a training with a really big really big client uh out in silicon valley who's not sure if i'm allowed to say their name so i'll wait until later oh yeah yeah you'll have to tell me afterward yeah uh but it's a phone gap training and the um the and i recorded so so that's coming up next week and i also have uh, my regular online training uh starting tomorrow uh tomorrow and then next thursday for the second day and i recorded a uh really like an hour and uh, like an hour and 10 minute hour and 15 minute uh, video of the phone gap module of the session so there's like eight different modules that i cover in the training in my mm -hmm. regular training uh, you know things like like just general mobile interface design and responsive web design boot camp and css animations and all you know stuff like that so people can re regular web developers and designers can get started right away um you know working in mobile and it's called make the leap to mobile did you send me a link to that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's like the, the actual video. I may have. It's been well. So here, that's that's actually what <laughs> I was going to say is, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to promote the class, of course. So right. I said, well, you know, I've got this video of the phone gap training, and everybody phone gaps very. Everybody likes phone gap, and it's just one of the modules. So I will post that on the page for the training and um i put in this uh uh pay with a tweet button mm -hmm. have you heard of this uh i think i've seen it before yeah where yeah. you can you tweet something and then you get yeah you get access to yeah, a free download thing yeah yeah so it's like you know it's it's free video i just want people to tweet about it right so right um i think that's fair it's like an hour-long video so yeah it's like a a mega a gigabyte download from my server, which I'm sure it's going to be interesting to see my Amazon bill next month. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, but uh, hold on. <coughs> Did you catch a cold in yes. when you were down in the tropics? Yeah, when I got back, I I got a cold. Yeah, you sounded sounded kind of stuffy headed, but I thought maybe it was just you know doing to due to having just woke up. No, no sinus drip. I I yeah. uh, Erica and Cooper had it for two weeks before we left i couldn't believe i dodged as long as i did <laughs> so probably i didn't infect everyone in the cayman islands <laughs> so yeah so i put this button on there and what happens is you know they they it's you click on the link and it uh opens up like an, a twitter oauth type of window mm -hmm. and you can edit the tweet and everything but it does uh but it's going to tweet to your followers and then it forwards you to the download and let me tell you, it works because uh, <laughs> I, there's like hundreds and hundreds of tweets of, of the tweet that I put. You know, it's, wow. the yeah. tweet is like, you know, the, the, the pre-authored tweet that I wrote is, you know, free download of Jonathan Stark's phone gap training module available and with a link to it, uh, with a link back to the page that has the, yeah. the tweet button. And, and much to my much to my chagrin there's a typo in the tweet oh. it's not really a typo like i put i put apostrophe s and the uh the uh 
the 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 tweet software whatever it is escaped the apostrophe oh it's like so annoying now there's like hundreds it drives me crazy there's like hundreds and hundreds of these tweets with a with a backslash with a backslash in them oh but it's really it really works i mean like people obviously like free stuff yeah and uh and they don't mind tweeting about it so you know it's it's uh the traffic i mean it's like completely spiked to the page it remains to be seen if there's any conversions to be gained from it you know, yeah if if we get i still have seats available in the class so it's not like uh it's not like i sold out but um man if you if you if you want traffic and you've got some kind of a digital download it's a really good option yeah yeah, I had to give that a try sometime. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And, you know, you're still giving it away for free. Yeah. I heard about it when I downloaded, I think it was uh, a font, or some font or icon foundry created uh, some really cool fonts, and they released like 32 of them for pay for a tweet, and then you could and then you could pay whatever you wanted for the rest of them. It was like Yeah. A, yeah, I remember that because I, I did end up buying them. Yeah, me too. They were awesome. I don't remember now which ones they are, but yeah, me neither. But <laughs> but you know, you see them and you're like, oh my god, I could definitely use this somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, so if people want to uh, check out the phone gap module, they can. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. But, yeah. Uh, they can tweet and get it. Yeah. So I'm like I'm like like totally up to speed on the latest version of phone gap right now. That's for sure. <laughs> that's good. Hmm. So, wow, I don't know. Do we have anything uh, Anything else? Um, I don't think that I do. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be working more this week on a little, a little project. Well, it's not a little. It's a fairly large project um, with uh, EXTJS, and it's kind of my, my first foray into that. So hmm. I'm sure I'll have something to talk about next week. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Either either this went great or or I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're if you're curious, just follow my moodly <laughs> updates. And <laughs> yeah, I mean it's very different from jQuery, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm. So really, it seems more oriented to like uh, like enterprisey charts and graphs and data yeah. models and yeah, and and this is this is a you know a, a very yeah, it's a it's a it's an app. Mm. It's it's I mean it's very much you know, like it could be a desktop app, it's just on the web, but I mean it's a it's a very much dealing with, with data and data analysis and data gathering and Yeah, that's that probably, type of thing. That's probably perfect then. Yeah. All right, cool. So let's uh let's call it a day. A little teeny bit early, so that's a little that's bit. A, that's a switch. Yeah. Time is it? It's like just about one. Just about one. Yeah. Eastern time, yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. See ya.